friends. It is a joy to welcome you, those who are here at the well and those upstairs at the Well Cafe. My name is David and I serve as a senior pastor here and we're delighted to have you, especially if you're here for the very first time. Hope you've already been blessed uh, by your participation in worship today. I want to say a few words about uh, everything that Amanda just mentioned to you. The first thing about All City Worship, I'd love for you, if you have your calendar on your phone, I want you to do this. Let's see if this works. Hey Siri. Hey Siri. Remind me to pray for All City Worship Wednesday night at 6.30. Okay, I'll remind you. Okay, good. All right, would you do that for me? Would you set a reminder on your phone to pray for All City Worship? This is actually a really big deal. We have students coming from all around our community, different churches coming together. Uh, they'll be using our sanctuary again. We're one of the few... Uh, meeting places really in town that's large enough for the number of kids who come to this. I think this is the third or fourth time that they have done that, and that's a really significant thing for churches to be working together and and, and sharing uh, the gospel with kids. And so I want to invite you to pray for that. Uh, you also heard about Run With Heart. We'd love for you to be a part of that event. Uh, in your bulletin, you'll find more information about that. I do want to point out uh, that it says 10 a.m. If you get there at 10 a.m., you're going to be a little lonely. It actually happens before that, okay? So we, we do have the wrong time there, but if you go to mansfieldrunwithheart.org, you can register. You can see the entire event schedule. We'd love for you to do that. That's one of the ways that we partner with the hospital seeking to bless and serve our community, and we'd love for you to be a part of that. Uh, the other thing is the 40-day challenge, and that's the next sermon series that will start the weekend of February 14th. It'll carry us through Easter. Uh, and we do here at our church, if you're brand new, series that we call super series. And that doesn't mean that the messages are going to be that much better. But uh, we do have some resources that we put together with Super Series uh, to supplement our, our weekend experience. And so today is the first day you can pick up this workbook, uh, which is a workbook for you to work through with a small group of people. There's also video teaching that goes with that. So you can hear a message and then all actually engage and kind of unpack that in the context of small groups. We believe that for people to experience the transformation God wants to see in their life, that happens in the context of relationships. So we love everybody to be a part of a small group um, and, and, and to be able to invest in, in each other and to invest in that learning opportunity. And so if you're not a part of the small group, we'd love to connect you. Uh, we'd love for everyone to have one of these books as we journey through this. Again, you can pick them up today. I know February 14th sounds like a long time away. But some of you like to plan ahead, so please pick those up today. Uh, you can beat the rush that happens later. The other thing I want to specifically ask you to think about and encourage you to think about is serving as a host for a new small group. 
Now, this is not only for those who are not in a small group now, but also for those, you may already have a small group, and you love your group, but you could expand the impact of that by starting a new group. Uh, and, and here's what you have to do to be a host. I know some of you are thinking, I don't know everything about the Bible. I don't have all the answers. You, you don't have to do any of that, okay? You don't have to have all of that. This workbook and, and the teaching that we have put together, it does all the heavy lifting. All you have to do is this. You have to have friends, okay? If you don't have friends, you can't be a host. I'm sorry. You're, you're of no use to us. But if you have friends, if you have friends and you would be willing to serve as a hub, where people can connect, that's all you have to do. And if you're thinking about that, in your bulletin, uh, we gave you this piece of paper to guide you through just an exercise of thinking about, well, who would I invite to this group? What would it, what would it look like? And there's some circles on this page uh, that represent some of the different areas of relationships that I know you already have, your family relationships, your neighborhood relationships. Uh, some of you have relationships with other families because of your kids' sports team or other activities, your friends, the people in your workplace. Uh, and if you're thinking about that, this is, this is where you might start. Just jotting down some names of some people who you know, who you might invite to share this journey with you. Now, that's really simple. I, I mean, it's really simple. My wife and I were, were a host for a group uh, in the fall. We're looking forward to doing it again. It's a simple way to serve, but this is, this is why I really want you to think about this. It's a multiplying decision. It multiplies the impact of our church. It allows us to engage, interact, influence in a positive way people who we may otherwise not be able to connect with and influence. It's the way the church grows. And so you take the message and reach of your church and you really multiply it uh, in, in this serving opportunity. So if you're thinking about that, or if you're thinking, yeah, I want to do that, on the back of your registration card, you see there the communication card, there's a box, I want to host a 40-day challenge small group. And even if you're just thinking about it, check that box. Uh, Pastor Sharon, who leads our discipleship ministries, will be in touch with you. She'll walk you through any questions that you have. Uh, again, I think it's a transforming thing, not only in your life, but it's a way to multiply the effect of that really important series. So I want you to consider that. On the back of this bulletin today, you will see some notes or a place to take notes from our message. I want to encourage you to find that. At the top of that, you'll see two scriptures that we're going to look at today. The first is Genesis 2, and the second is Romans 12. So if you have your Bible, I want to encourage you to find those two scriptures. If you didn't bring a Bible, there's some blue Bibles in the seat in front of you here in the chapel. There's some upstairs as well. You'll see the page numbers in the blue Bible for those two scriptures. Um, I don't know what the page number is in your own Bible, but Genesis 2 is probably close to page 3, okay? So that, that one's pretty easy. Romans is the sixth book of the New Testament. So if you'll find both of those, we're going to start in Genesis and we'll be in Romans uh, in the second half of the message. But if you're brand new, let me just reset a few things. This is the second week of this series we're calling Fuel. And here's the theme. We, we have moved into a new year and if it only happens for us once a year, it is usually the turning of the calendar from December to January that gets us thinking about where we're heading in our life and where we want to go in our life. And we love thinking about what we love thinking about what we want to change, what we want to do better. But what I've noticed about myself and about us collectively is that we like thinking about where we want to go. We often don't spend enough time thinking about how we're going to get there. We don't think about those things that actually fuel 
the change that we want to see realized in our lives. So regardless of what you're thinking about this year, whatever your goals are, New Year's resolutions, or just things you want to tweak about your life, uh, it doesn't matter where you want to go. What we're talking about in this series are what's going to fuel that. What are those elements of our life, those common things that we share that actually fuel transformation and change in our life? So last week we talked about vision and the importance of vision. This week we're talking about something that I know many of you are already thinking about. And here's why you're thinking about it, because you just survived the holidays, right? Like you just survived the marathon holiday between Christmas and New Year's. And in the course of those days, you, you really impressed yourself. You ate more calories than you thought were possible, right? I mean, you, there was more, because you had all this food from Christmas and then you did it all over again just a few days later and celebrating New Year's. And so most of us, you know, we get to the end of that and we're like, wow, man, I got to do something about this, right? We start thinking about our physical health. And that's what we're talking about. We're talking about our physical health and how that fuels transformation in our life. But I want to clarify something before we begin. We are not talking about your physical appearance, okay? We are not talking about those things that you see when you look in the mirror that you may not like about yourself, okay? And I know what those things are like. Like when I look in the mirror, I'm okay with having one chin. The other one bothers me, okay? I don't like that part. That's just a genetic thing, okay? That's not what we're talking about. We are not talking about what is for many of us an unhealthy need for perfection. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about health and the health of our physical bodies and how that health fuels transformation in our lives. So let's talk about our lives and how our lives are formed by looking at Genesis chapter 2. And I'm going to begin in verse 4 which really just sets the context of what I'm going to read to you. Verse 4 says this, This is the account of the heavens and the earth when they were created, when the Lord God made the earth and the heavens. So you know Genesis 1 and 2 is about the creation of the world. It's about how the Creator brought into existence all of creation. So if you wanted to go back this week and read Genesis 1 and 2, here's a word you might write down that is a key theme of these first two chapters. The word is connection. So in Genesis 1 and 2, the scriptures are talking about the connection between the creator and what the creator has brought into existence, the creation, okay? So with that idea in your head, connection, I want you to hear these next few verses. Uh, Now, no shrub had yet appeared on the earth, and no plant had yet sprung up, for the Lord God had not sent rain on the earth, and there was no one to work the ground. But streams came up from the earth and watered the whole surface of the ground. Verse 7. Then the Lord God formed a man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man became a living being. Now, I want you to picture this with me. How many of you have ever been to the beach? How many of you have ever been to the beach? Okay, a few of you. Yeah, there's some. Yeah, there we go. This is a great day to think about the beach, isn't it? Like as you're walking in, kind of cold, like think about the beach and going to the nice warm beach. You're going to do that in a, in a few months. But uh, I'll be honest with you, there's things I like about the beach. There's one thing I don't like about the beach. I don't like how the sand at the beach 
likes to come home with you. Have you noticed that? Like it gets everywhere. It gets all over your body, all over your clothes. You, you get in the car when you leave and there's just sand everywhere. It comes home. I'm not a big fan of that part, but, but here's what I do like about the sand. I do like that process that maybe you've done with the kids or with the grandkids where you go to the beach and you build something in the sand, right? You build a sand castle or, or something else. It's, it's really neat to see what people do when their imagination meets this substance that they can form into the, whatever they are seeking to create. That's kind of a fun thing. Well, the reason I want you to think about that is because that's, that's what's happening in Genesis 2 verse 7. God is actually doing that thing that you may love to do when you go to the beach. God is, God is down in the dirt. He is forming the dust. And God, using the same creative, artistic energy that you have been given in your life, God is bringing something that at first only existed in his imagination into existence. He is crafting and, and forming something. That's, that's pretty cool. Next time you go to the beach, you should think about that. You are doing something that God has designed you to do by bringing something into existence. But then God does something that you can't do. I mean, if you could, the trip to the beach would be a lot more exciting, okay? Uh, but God, he, he, he looks at this form, this, this formation of dirt, and God breathes into it the breath of life. And, and then look back at what it says in, in verse 7. When, when these two things collide at the intersection between this physical formation and the breath of God... The man, it says, became a living being. Earth's dust meets God's breath, and life is formed. So do something with me just for a moment. Would you just, just breathe in through your nose and breathe out? And breathe in through your nose and breathe out. And here's what I want you to think about. The next time that you find yourself and you're just thinking, man, I need a miracle, just breathe. Just breathe. That's a miracle. That is, according to Genesis 2-7, that is how life is formed and that is how your life continues. Life is found at the intersection between the physical and the spiritual at this place where the pile of dirt meets the breath of God, life is formed. Now think about that. That is a profound understanding of the nature of your life. That without the breath of God, you are nothing but a pile of dirt. I heard one pastor say it this way, very eloquently, that when you call someone a dirt bag, you are actually speaking a deep theological truth. Did you know that? That's all you are. That is all you are. You are, a, you are a physical formation that houses the breath of God. Now, some of you have had the opportunity, and I use that word very specifically. You've had the opportunity to see this in your life because you have been there perhaps with a loved one when they breathed their last breath. You have seen this really magnificent, sacred mystery right before you as the breath leaves the body and all that's left is just, it's, it's just flesh. That's it. Without the breath of God that fills this physical formation, 
that you and I have been given, regardless of how you feel about that physical formation, that is where your life is. So here's the big idea I want to encourage you to write down. It's, it's a somewhat obvious idea, but I think it's really important for us to think about as we think about our physical health. Here's the idea. You cannot achieve anything in your life without your body that houses the breath of God. Nothing. You can't do anything without your body. Everything that you have done in your life, everything that you hope to do, everything that you are today, and everything that you hope you will one day be is fully and totally dependent on this pile of dirt that's been given to you, this physical formation that houses the breath of God. You can do nothing without it. Nothing. Whatever ambition you have in your life, whatever goal you have in your life, whatever dream you hope to see realized, none of those things will be realized without the physical body that you have been given. You might just write down this scripture passage. You can look it up later. Psalm 39, verse 4 through 5. Listen to how uh, David, the writer of, of this psalm, articulates this idea. He says, Show me, Lord, my life's end and the number of my days. Let me know how fleeting my life is. You have made my days a mere handbreadth. In other words, it's like that. The span of my years is as nothing before you. Everything is but a breath, even those who seem secure. Even those people who look like they have it all, they're just like the rest of us. Life begins and life ends and it happens like that. Now, do you hear the wisdom of your ancestor? Do you hear David saying, Lord, don't let me forget the one thing that I would rather avoid. And you get that right. Like we would rather avoid the idea that our lives are temporary until the knees begin to, begin to ache and the body is a little bit sore and we find ourselves trying to do something that we used to do but now we can't anymore. And we realize, oh my gosh, my life is dependent on this physical shell that isn't doing what it used to do, right? David says, don't let me forget that. Don't let me forget that my life is temporary, that, that, that my life, it, it, it goes like that because... When I forget that, I'm, what am I going to do? I'm going to waste it. It's a gift. It's a gift. It's a gift. Don't miss it. Don't miss it. Because every single moment is a gift. Now, what do we do with this idea? Uh, if you turn to Romans 12, let's listen to how Paul articulates what we do with, with this concept. So we're kind of in the middle of Romans. Let me give you a little bit of context. And, uh, but first, let me say this about this book, the, the letter that Paul wrote to the church at Rome. That's what Romans is. This was written near the end of Paul's life. This is one of the most thorough explanations of the Christian faith and the Christian life. And by thorough, I mean complicated, okay? So if you're brand new to the scriptures and you dive into Romans, you're going to get to chapter 3 and you're going to have a list of about a 1,000 questions, okay? And then you're going to send me an email and it's a whole thing. So let me just, if I can, let me simplify this for you. And I know, I'll tell you this, I'm doing a great injustice to Romans. I'm sorry, Paul. This is the oversimplified understanding of the structure of this book. The first 11 chapters of Romans are all about what God has done. Okay, so all throughout those first 11 chapters, Paul is talking about what God has done in Jesus, what God has done for you, inviting you into a new relationship with God, forgiving your sins, setting you free, all that stuff. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. That's Romans 5.8. It's worth memorizing. Lots of great stuff in those first 11 chapters, but the focus is all on God and what God has done. And at verse 12, verse 1, which I'm about to read to you, from that point till, till the end of the book, uh, uh, chapter 16, 
Paul is talking about what we must now do. So we start with, this is what God has done, and God has done these things for you out of love. And he shifts the focus in, in verse, uh, verse 1 of chapter 12 away from what God has done to now what we must now do. And that now, by the way, is not about restriction. It's not about regulation. It's not about duty. It's what we must now do as a loving response to what God has already done. God takes the first step, we take the second step. 12 through 16 is all about what are those second steps that we are supposed to take. So listen now to what Paul says in 12 verse 1. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy. If you have your Bible, you might underline God's mercy. That's what the first 11 chapters are all about. They're all about God's mercy. So Paul is saying, in view of everything that I have written to you, Okay, now we're getting to the point where I'm going to talk about what you must now do. Uh, in view of God's mercy, I urge you to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Now, there's a word in here that I need to tell you a little bit about. The word is sacrifice. And the reason we need to talk about this word is this word means something very different to us than it did to the original audience who received this letter. The original audience who received this letter were people who either came from a Jewish background or a pagan background. They had confessed faith in Jesus, but that was the culture from which they came. That was their background. And those two backgrounds are very different, the Jewish culture and the pagan culture. But there was one thing that was the same between the two. And that was, for them, when they thought about worship, when they thought about sacrifice, there was a particular thing that would have come to mind, a particular way that they thought about sacrifice. So for the Jews... They would make a sacrifice to honor Yahweh. They would come to the temple and they would present on the altar something that had life that in the process of being sacrificed would lose its life. So you bring a goat, you bring a bird, you present it to the temple as an offering to Yahweh and in that process, this thing that had life would lose its life. Same thing with the pagans. The pagans who worshipped the many gods of Rome, whenever they wanted to appease the gods or, or hope that the gods would look favorably on them, they would bring an offering. They would bring something that had life. They would present it on an altar to a particular god, and in the process of that sacrifice, it would lose its life. So notice the implication of what Paul is saying. This is totally different than anything they had heard before. This is no longer a sacrifice, Paul says, that ends in death. This is a sacrifice that is instead a living sacrifice. So rather than, if you're going to live out the Christian faith, if you're going to be a follower of Jesus, it's not about bringing a goat to the temple and passing it off to the priest as your offering to honor and glorify Yahweh, to say, I am committed to you, Yahweh. You no longer put a, a living thing that loses its life on the altar. In this new way of living, your job is to actually crawl up on the altar and to be the living sacrifice in everything that you do. Every moment of your life, every thought, word, deed, every single moment of your life to live it as a sacrifice, an offering to honor and glorify your creator. That every single moment of your life has sacred 
significance. You have an opportunity with each and every circumstance, conversation, decision, interaction, thought, whatever you, every single thing you do in your life is an opportunity to honor and glorify your creator. Now, let's put some pieces together. We said the big idea was that you cannot achieve anything in your life without your body that houses the breath of God. That's the big idea from Genesis 2, verse 7. Here's the main idea of Romans 12, 1. Everything that you do in your life has the potential to bring glory and honor to your creator. But every single one of those moments, every single word of blessing that may come from your mouth, every single act of service and sacrifice that you might do on behalf of someone else, every single decision that you might make that isn't based on what you want but what might further the kingdom of God, every single moment of your life is dependent on the pile of dirt that you have been given that houses the breath of God. So when you care for your body, not talking about the physical appearance of how you may look, but when you care for this physical formation that you have been given, one of the things that you do is you invest in having more moments where you can glorify and honor your creator. That's why it's important. That's why it's important. Because God has amazing things that he wants to do in your life. I absolutely believe that. God has, has, has give, he wasn't bored, okay? He wasn't like, well, I guess I'll make some more people. <laughs> God made an investment in your life by giving you life. And there's a dream that God has for your life. I absolutely believe that. If you don't believe that, that's okay. Okay, if you want to argue about that, just send me an email, pastorjohnny at fmcm.org. Just <laughs> shoot me an email. I'd love to talk to you about it. I believe that God wants to do amazing things in your life. And there, here, here's what I want you to hear. There is a span of days that God needs to see that dream come true. There's a span of days that God needs to see that dream come true. And so when you care for yourself in a proper way, when you crawl up on that altar and you say, God, I want every single moment to, to glorify and honor you, when you make decisions that honors your physical health, one of the things that you are saying is, God, I want to make sure that you have all the days you need because I want to see your vision I want to see your dreams realized in my life. Now, I know every, every single person here, there, there, there's probably at least one thing in your mind that when you think about your vision for the future, when we talk about the vision, that mental image of an intended future, when you think about the vision for your life, there's one thing you really want to be present for. <laughs> there's one thing you want to see realized in your life. I don't know what it is. Maybe it's a, maybe it's a child's wedding day. Maybe it's, a, uh, maybe it's that, that end of the road. That's a, the retirement. I get to move into that next phase of my life. I don't know what it is, but I bet all of us have at least one thing that when we think about, man, I can't wait for that day to be here. There's something there, isn't there? 
There's a dream. There's a vision that you want to see realized. Here's what I want you to think about. God has dreams too. God has dreams too. And just as you want to be there for the fulfillment of your dreams, God wants you to be there for the fulfillment of his dreams. And when you care for yourself in the proper way, it's not about the, what people see or perceive when they look at your physical appearance, but when you care for this pile of dirt that you've been given, you're saying, God, I want you to have the days you need. I want you to have the days you need. Here's how you might write this down. If you just need to personalize this, uh, maybe you might put this on your mirror at home when you're getting ready, or you might put it in the car, or maybe, just maybe, it might need to go on the front of the refrigerator, okay? There are things God wants to accomplish in the span of my days, and my responsibility is to give back to God the number of days he needs to see those dreams come true. That's the responsibility that we bear. For all of us, tomorrow is not guaranteed, right? Tomorrow is not guaranteed. Next week is not guaranteed. Next year is not guaranteed. Next five years isn't guaranteed. That's something that's beyond our control. We live in a fragile, frail world, and all of us know stories of lives who were cut short long before Long before the, the people who loved that person and had poured into them wanted that life to, 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 to end. We all know those stories. There's things that we can't control, but there's something that we can control. We can control the way in which we care for our bodies. And we do it as a way of saying, God, I want to honor you. And God, I want to make sure that you have the days that you need. So here's what I want to challenge you to do. Uh, on the registration card that you were given, we're going to receive this in just a moment uh, when we receive our morning offering today. There's two challenges that I have there. First is the host of 40-day uh, challenge small group. I'd love for you to consider doing that. The second one, you see a check uh, box next to the statement, I am making a commitment to my physical health. Now let me tell you what's going to happen if you check that box. Nothing, Okay. <laughs> Nothing is going to happen after you... If you go to lunch after this, the server is still going to bring you the dessert menu, okay? She's not going to know that you checked the box when you were at church and you're not interested in the chocolate cheesecake that has peanut butter and fudge and all those things that we all love. Oh, I just made that bad, didn't I, right? <laughs> Nothing's going to change unless you make a decision to change, and I don't know what that might be for you. I'm not a nutritionist. I'm not your fitness coach. That's not my goal here today. My goal is to simply take what is for many of you a goal and to frame it in this more important story of your life and what God wants to do in your life. Here's what will happen uh, if, you, uh, if you do check the box. I'll probably send you an encouraging note this week. But what will happen is you'll know you did it. God will know you did it. And you will know that God knows that you did it, okay? You're making a commitment. You're saying, God, I'm, 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 I'm putting a check. I am, this, my name is on this. I am making a commitment. I want to see your dreams come true. And that, even though it may not change anything, you know, uh, the other circumstances of tomorrow, I think that's a pretty significant thing. Say, God, I want to invest in your dreams. Do you want to see God's dreams come true in your life? I do. And I bet you do. I bet you do too. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we pause this day to give you thanks for the gift of life, for blessing us with your breath, your life, 
investing in us in that incredible and precious way. Lord, we confess to you that that may be the gift that we are most likely to overlook and forget how precious it is. And so today we, we ask your forgiveness for that. And we pray, Lord, that you would give us the courage and the wisdom to make the right choices, to accept this challenge, to, to give you back the days you need to see your dreams come true. God, we don't want to sell those dreams short. We don't want to waste our life. And so today we pray that you will bless the commitments that are made, that you will send into your people your spirit of encouragement and grace. Give us courage, Lord, to live differently. Give us courage, Lord, to, to live in a world that constantly tries to get us to, to invest in what is short-term, to take, Lord, what is a temporary pleasure rather than waiting for the eternal significance and joy of, of serving and honoring you. Help us to live differently. Bless this offering. Bless the commitments that we share. And do it all, Lord, in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.